I'm hearing impaired, and I turn my hearing aids down, so I'll speak louder. <laughs> and it's hard for me to adjust, but I look at her, and she says, up, down, quit, whatever, you know. <laughs> and so we do that. This is a homecoming. And so I have chosen topics that address the home. And in our first lesson, we're going to consider our three homes. We hear a lot today about the homeless. It is sad indeed to see someone who is truly homeless, not because of a chosen lifestyle, but because they have no home and cannot help it. There is nothing like going home after you've been on a vacation or after you've been away. It's good to get back home. In this first lesson of our homecoming, we consider our domestic home, our spiritual home, and our eternal home. First, let's look at our domestic home. It's the oldest institution on the face of the earth. God created the home. The purpose of a domestic home is comfort and compassion, companionship. Genesis 2.19, God created man and woman. Matthew 19.6, they are to cohabitate. It also involves the procreation of the race. Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and multiply. And it exists to prepare souls for heaven. Proverbs 22.6, raise up a child in the way that he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. Ephesians 6.4, parents are to raise their children properly. The home is made up of a father and a mother. Children to suit one's preference. Barbara and I had eight. Two died practically at birth, and we lost our oldest son in an accident. We have six living, and you may remember one of them, Daniel, our youngest, who is married to a doctor and lives in Indianapolis, and he himself has a master's degree in computer forensics. And don't let me get to bragging on my kids. Now, James and Emily are going to be here today, we hope. You remember them also, I'm sure. And a home is made up of love. Love for God, love of husband for wife, love of wife for husband, love of children for their parents, parents for their children. And this may stick in your throat, kids, but children are to love their brothers and sisters too. <laughs> and sometimes a little sibling rivalry can challenge that. The sanctity of the home is set forth in Hebrews 13.4. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. The sanctity of the home is sacred. That is where these things we've mentioned are to be found outside of the home. They can become very wicked. The domestic home is under attack today and seriously threatened. It is threatened by just living together, not getting married. See if it works out, and if it doesn't, go your own way. Sexual out activity outside of the marriage, tragedy. Again, Hebrews 13, 4. Whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Role reversal. 
where the husband stays home and the wife works. Sounds good to me, but that isn't the way God wanted it. And it isn't good. And it doesn't create a good atmosphere. God intended for the man to provide and the woman to stay home and take care of the children. Now, if you want to discuss with me whether a woman can work or not, I'll discuss that. And I believe it's possible, but I believe her first duty is to be keeper at home. So Paul wrote to Titus in Titus 3. There's another threat to the home. Children out of wedlock. It is a serious threat to the home. And when children are raised in a single parent atmosphere, they do not get the full balance of life and prepared for life as God intended a mother and a father. Abortion is a threat to the home. And of course, one of the greatest threats today is same-sex marriage. A redefinition of what the home is by godly divine. In the beginning, God created the male and male. Did I get that wrong? He created them female and female. Did I get that wrong? He created them male and female. That's what God intended. God created sex. And it's not wrong within the boundaries of the home and married life. But God intended for a man to marry a woman. And for this cause, they leave their parents and become one flesh. Think about the perversion of it. Two men cannot have a baby. Two women cannot have a baby. The world's population would cease to be if every marriage was homosexual marriage or same-sex marriage. There'd be no world. Because they can have children. So it's got to come somehow. It is perverted. Anybody can see it. God did not intend for man and man and woman and woman to read Romans 1. And find out how the wrath of God comes upon those who pervert this. In fact, it says in the final verse of Romans 1, they're worthy of death. That means face God's wrath in death. Domestic violence is also a threat to the home. It can be husband against wife, wife against husband, parents against children, children against parents. Domestic violence in the home is a tragedy. A police officer gets that call he hates the most, domestic violence. Because he knows when he goes to that home, they may all turn on him. Because blood is thicker than water. And so domestic violence is a tragedy. And God did not intend it. It certainly thwarts the love that God intended to be in the home. Substance abuse is another threat to the home. Alcohol, drugs, whatever substance. Substance abuse is a threat to the home. Can destroy the home, not to mention the lives. Divorce is obviously a threat to the home. And today... A preacher has to be very careful. This happened to me some years ago in North Carolina. A couple came to me and they wanted to get married. And I said, have you been married before? He said, yes, my wife committed adultery on me. And she said, yes, my husband committed adultery on me. Well, at that time, the state of North Carolina listed all of your marriages on the certificate. And when I went to sign their marriage license, he had been married three times. She had been married four times. So now... I asked them, you know, how many times have you been divorced? And after that, I quit performing any marriages except for members of my congregation. And uh, I, I just don't anymore. And so that's self-preservation <laughs> in one way. 
There are outside activities can be a threat to the home too. When you get so busy that mom goes to her thing, dad goes to his, her thing, sissy goes to her thing, junior goes to his thing, there's no time for the family being together. That is a threat to the home. These are a few things the home faces as a threat. Here is a point to remember. Any congregation will be no stronger than the families that make it up. Did you hear me? I want to repeat that. No congregation will be stronger than the families that make up that congregation. Are you listening? God intended for the domestic home to be the core of society. And that includes his Lord's church, or or his son's church, our Lord's church. So your family helps determine the strength of this congregation. Not to present it with problems, and the elders with grief and prayers, and maybe decisions on whether to keep you in fellowship. Your home should be strong. You should raise your children to be Christians. Barb and I tried that with all of our heart. All of our six living children are Christians. All of their spouses are children. All of our 11 grandchildren who are of age are Christians. And that didn't happen by accident. Are you listening? Didn't happen by accident. I'm not bragging. I'm telling you, this is how it's done. You be a Christian. You marry a Christian. You raise your kids to be a Christian. Parents who do not raise their children and their nurture and the admonition of the Lord are cheating their children and they're violating the will of God and they'll answer to him for it. We had better value our homes. We better shore them up. Broken homes create so many problems to our society and to the Lord's church. I have sat many a time with elders who wept and cried because of situations they had to handle in troubled homes in their congregation. Let each one of us do our duty to make our homes strong. And that depends on every member, me as a member. And to make sure that the precious homes in our, in our homes are being brought to the assembly of the saints. And when they come, they're taught the truth, they live the truth. Next, we consider our need for a spiritual home. The church of our Lord is referred to as... The family of God, Ephesians 3.15. The house of God, 1 Timothy 3.15. Where we are brothers and sisters in Christ, James 2.15. And we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, are to love one another. 1 John 3.10 and 11, chapter 4, verse 7, and also verses 20 and 21. As Christians, we are compared by Peter as being lively stones built up a spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices by Christ. 1 Peter uh, 2.5 As Christians, we are partakers of spiritual things. Romans 1.15 We eat a spiritual meat. 1 Corinthians 10.3 We drink a spiritual drink from that spiritual rock which is Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.4 Each one of these is a sermon in themselves. We have spiritual understanding, Colossians 1, 9. We sing spiritual songs, Ephesians 5, 19. And we are lively stones built up a spiritual house. Again, 1 Peter 2, 5. The church is under attack, just like the home is. There are over 1,000 denominations today 
all claiming to be the Lord's church, all claiming to be right. None of them claim to be wrong. You know, people sometimes say to us, you think you're the only ones that are right. Well, they do too. Would you worship where people say we are wrong? And if they're right, what does that make all the people who differ with them? What does it make them? Wrong. They believe the same thing. They wouldn't go where they go if they didn't think it was right. Now I'll take that back. They might go for, because there are a lot of fun and games there, they might go for some social reason. They may not go for any spiritual reason at all. But generally, that's the rule. If there's just one church, Ephesians 4, 4, there's one body. 1 Corinthians 12 speaks about that one body. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 makes, tells us that Christ is head over his body, which is the church. The body's the church. Then even two are too many. We've got over 2,000. The Bible 64 times refers to the church simply as the church. Now, that's all there was in the beginning. That's all God intended. There's only one reason a denomination exists. The people who started weren't satisfied with what is. Why start another one if you're happy with what you got, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? That's why they exist. And they started because they wanted to straighten things out. They thought they were right. You cannot improve on God. His pattern, His way is right. Follow that, you're safe. Follow your own imagination, your own invention. You're in trouble. Our Lord made it clear. In vain do men worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. If you love me, keep my commandments. The church is under a restructuring phase, even in the Lord's church throughout the brotherhood. There are those who want to restructure, and others who want to change it. This restructuring will involve our worship. That's where it usually starts. They want to restructure the worship. They want to give new meaning to it. They want it to be worship that makes you feel good and meets your personal felt needs. We need to remember this. The purpose of worship is to glorify God, edify ourselves, and then edify others. They get it reversed. Edify self. Do what makes you feel good. Edify others if they like it. If they don't, let them go somewhere else. And who cares about God? We want it our way. Now you think about that. And so they restructure the worship. And they bring innovation into worship. Hand clapping, theatrical skits, instrumental music, various other things. And they start changing. So you'll feel good. They even clap when those who are performing do well. Enhanced singing where they have microphones at certain places so that the better singers can sound better. I knew a man who had trouble talking. His singing sounded to me like a sick cow, but I know it pleased God, so who cares? Barbara can't carry a tune in a bucket, and that's as far as I'm going to go, so I'll still have hot food the rest of the week. But God wants us to sing. It doesn't matter how you sound to others. What counts is you're singing to Him. You're glorifying Him. And that's the whole purpose of worship, not to please me. I'll tell you the truth. There's been times when I felt very uncomfortable after I heard a sermon because it stepped on my toes. In fact, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I step on my own toes when I preach. And so preaching doesn't necessarily make us feel good. And any preacher tries to make everybody feel good when he preaches doesn't shape up to the preachers of the Bible, that's for sure. And the church is under attack by apathy. It means I don't care. 
The story is told of a preacher who went to visit a member who had been missing. And he went to the man's house. The man said, well, I've been sick and tired. The preacher said, well, you've missed some good sermons. He said, I don't think so. That's what I'm sick and tired of. Well, apathy. We don't care. We don't care what happens. Do you care what happens to this congregation? If you do, it will be reflected in your attendance, in your giving financially, in your support of various works. Your presence here should show you care, and I trust that it does. The church is under attack by worldliness. Worldly ways are unindating the church. Immodest attire. Members who do immoral things. And worldliness has invaded the church. And it will destroy it. God intended for the church to be in the world, not the world in the church. Also, the church is under attack by other religions, especially the Muslim faith. Muslims would kill anybody who's not a Muslim of their particular sect. They'd even kill other Muslims. There's only one thing they want. That's for everybody who's not a Muslim to either be a Muslim or dead. If they took over this country, I'd be one of the first they kill. You can be sure of that. They would. That's their religion. It's a bloody religion. If you read the Quran, you'll find over 300 times it says, kill the infidel. Who's the infidel? That's anybody who's not a Muslim like you. That means me. I'm taught by my Lord to love my enemies. They are taught by their leader to kill everybody who's not theirs. Which do you want? A bloody religion that says kill? Or a loving religion that says even love your enemies? And how important that is. The church is under attack by godlessness. By those who don't believe in God or live like they don't. There is a anti-religion group. Several of them in the United States. They would do away with all religion. Let them try the Muslims first and see what happens to them. If you see what I mean. Are we doing our part to keep the unity of the spirit? Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. And edify the body in love. Ephesians 4, 14 through 20. Are we doing what we can to strengthen the church and make it stronger? Jesus loved the church so much he died for it. How much do you love it? What are you willing to sacrifice and give? That's your own answer, you and your God. But it's something we ought to evaluate in our own lives every day. And we come to the third home. An eternal home. Each of us should be preparing for an eternal home. A home for our soul. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 5 and verse 7. A heavenly mansion that Jesus spoke about in John 14, 2. I go and prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. Heavenly mansions there. A place of eternal comfort and rest and peace and protection with God our Father. Consider 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Which speaks of a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. There is a heavenly home in preparation for you and me. God is not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance, Peter wrote. God doesn't want you to be lost. He's done everything he can do to save you. 
and still leave it up to your own decision and still leave you a person who's free moral in their choices. After all, he sent his son, gave us the Bible, guides us in truth, gave us the church, all the blessings he has given us. He's done everything he can do to save us, except just save us anyway. He's not going to do that. He makes that very clear. Oh, to have an eternal home. Just as it is a tragedy for one not to have a domestic home, it is a tragedy for one not to have a spiritual home or an eternal home. Better not to have the domestic home and have a spiritual, happy, eternal home than to have a domestic home and not have the others. In other words, you'd be better off homeless as far as having a physical home or an earthly home than not being a faithful member of the church and having the hope of heaven. Have you ever noticed the joy that comes from those with a truly satisfied faith? We cannot reach the happy eternal home unless we are a member of the spiritual home, the Lord's church. All the saved are in the church, Acts 2.47, and the Lord added daily unto the church those that were being saved. There's nobody outside of the church who's saved. Now, the church does not save you. Jesus saves you. But the Lord adds to the church those who've obeyed the gospel from a pure heart and become Christians. Jesus saves. And he puts the saved in the church. The Lord adds us there. After we have done that, which he wants us to do from a true and honest heart. Heaven waits for the church. Referred to as the bride of Christ in Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. And so described in Revelation 21, 1. Where we see the kingdom coming down as a bride adorned for her husband. Speaking of the church. Heaven is waiting for the church. The church is preparing now to go there. When Jesus comes again, he'll gather all the saved, that's his church, and take them to heaven. The church is not a building. It is precious members. If this building were destroyed, you could rebuild it. But if every member of this congregation died, it'd be an empty building and meaningless. It serves a purpose to protect us from the elements and give us a good place to meet. But we are the church. And we are heaven bound. It's interesting to note that the three homes lead one to another. The domestic home should help guide us to heaven. Bring up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And you can't bring them up unless you're setting a good example. Then we become members of the church and the church is supported by its families. And the church should guide us to our spiritual home. Have you ever noticed in a singing, the songs we choose, 99% of them will be about heaven. Have you ever noticed that? Well, if you haven't, what's the next time you have a singing? And see what songs the leaders choose and if they give the opportunity... The congregation chooses. We like to think about heaven. In a survey not too long ago, people were asked if they believed in heaven or hell. 
Almost 90% said they believed in heaven. Barely 40% said they believed in hell. Convenient. I don't want to believe in hell. I'd be very happy if there's no hell. How about you? I sure want to believe in a heaven. But you check it out. Our Lord stamped an approval of truth on the fact that there are both places. The wicked go away into an eternal hell and the righteous into eternal life. There are two places in eternity, heaven and hell. Hell, our Lord said, is prepared for the devil and his angels. Heaven, he made clear, I'm going to prepare for you. God wants every one of us to be in heaven. I would to God that everyone here in this meeting at this time would be in heaven with me. Now, I want to say why I say with me. That means I'd be there too. I want to be there. And I hope you're there. I gladly share it. That's one reason I've dedicated my life of over 50 years of gospel preaching. Well, if you wonder how old I am, I'll tell you I'm 75. And if I wasn't that old, I'd be dead. So I'm glad to tell you that. Now, I'm not going to tell you how old she is, but she's eight days younger than me. <laughs> Cold soup for the rest of the week. Anyway, we're happy together and glad that God has given us together. We're still together. We're grateful. And uh, we've only had one fight. Started when we got married and ain't over yet. <laughs> and I'm winning. <laughs> she shook her head no. Well, we're talking about three homes. Our domestic home. Isn't it good to have a domestic home? Our Lord had nowhere to lay his precious head. But he went home. A spiritual home, the church, everyone can be a member of the Lord's church if they're willing to hear the gospel, believe on Christ, repent of their sins, confess his name before men, be baptized in his name, be added to the church by the Lord, and stay there as a faithful member, active and working. Everyone can go to heaven, but not everybody will. Because heaven is reserved for the faithful and the righteous. There will be no one there who offends, who is wicked, etc. We have a lesson here on three homes. I hope you have a happy domestic home. But no matter, you can be happy in the Lord's church. And that will be a footstep into heaven through Jesus Christ our Lord. Are you homeless? Domestically? That's tragic. Spiritually? That's tragedy. Eternally? That's beyond thought. Think about it. There's nothing more important to you than your precious soul. Nothing. And you need to nurture that soul and take care of it. Bread for the soul is the word of God. Our Lord said so in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Well, this morning, I've tried to break a little bit of the bread of life with you from the word of God. It's God's word. I hope I've done it justice. And so three homes. I'm done. There's an old saying, when you're done, sit down, shut up. So if that leaves us some time, we can do one of two things. How much time have we got left, Vic? Uh, you've got about seven minutes. Seven minutes. Time's up. We'll quit. Thank you very much. You've been a good audience. I'm sorry I don't take questions. 
I'm very severely hearing impaired, and it would be difficult for me to do so. But you can come up to me privately and look me in the face, and I'll read your lips, and we'll get it taken care of. Thank you so very much. We look forward to the next hour of worship.